All right, good. Cool. Awesome. What is up, everybody? We are live for Data on Kubernetes Community, live stream number 131. Not only that, it's the last live stream that we'll be doing before KubeCon. We've got the DOK day next week, all right, coming up on Monday the 16th. Very happy to share the link. Extremely happy to share the link here in the chat. Um, if you haven't signed up for that already, why not? It's for free. All you got to do is add it to your KubeCon registration. 100% virtual. We've got over 30 talks and panels. Super action-packed. You will also find out today what happened to the DOK horn. All right, we've been building up a lot of tension um, regarding that. But today, the, uh, the saga will finish. Speaking of sagas, today is the first day that we will have a guest that has a Star Wars walker in his possession next to him. Before we introduce him, he will now be known as the man with the walker. It is incredible, built with his bare hands, thousands of pieces, hundreds of hours, lots of dedication. We will probably talk more about Star Wars, but we also have some other things we need to cover. His name is Fabian Met. He is the CTO at Fullstack, one of our sponsors, and they're amazing. We will also be sharing the stage together on March 20th, March 24th, May 24th, May the 24th be with you uh, in the Netherlands, in Utrecht, at an event called Educase 22. I'll drop the link in there soon. But anyway, Fabian, how are you doing? Good to see you. I'm doing great. Thank you for that awesome introduction and letting me show off my walker. It's pretty cool. I mean, this is, folks, put cool things in your background, right? Particularly if you're going to be on the live stream with us, because it's always <laughs> fun and dynamic to see what's going on there. Um, but anyway, you are the CTO at Fullstack and a tech fluencer, but could you maybe give us a little bit of background on, on who you are and how you got to where you're at right now? Right. So, yeah. Um, uh, my name is Fabian Met. I'm one of the founders of Fullstack, and I went through a career of uh, dropping out of school, um, going into customer services at the Amazon of the Netherlands, and then eventually growing there to a, a Linux engineer. Um, most of it is actually self-taught. Then I went to, uh, did some consultancy, and I always kept meeting this person called Gerrit van Boer. And um, it, it seemed like we had similar interests and similar ideas about the future. So we started a company together. Um, and it's doing okay. We uh, grew pretty well. Okay. And yeah, so just for, for folks that aren't aware necessarily, full stack, what kind of stuff do you do? Right. Uh, well, do you, we do a bunch of stuff. Um, we allow our companies, our customers to succeed in cloud native, really. And that can come in any form. You can run on-premise and still do cloud native things. You can run in the cloud and do your cloud native things, or you can run in the cloud and do non-cloud native things. We're there to help customers uh, get the most out of their application, their infrastructure, their everything. And uh, that goes from training to um, consultancy to um, uh, some sort of managed services, but that's kind of a dirty word for us. So uh, we... We help companies with a whole range of services, but always in the cloud native space. Very, very good. Solid team. We've had nothing but positive experiences. Looking forward to hang out with you in KubeCon. And once again, the event that's coming up towards the end of the end of May, folks, if you're in the Netherlands, you definitely need to mark your calendars and check it out. It's a free event. Super cool. Speakers are going to be there. Um, very much looking forward to that. That being said, though, so you've talked about, you know, helping customers along along their journey, regardless of what it is that they're doing with cloud native, without cloud native, on-prem, et cetera, not hybrid cloud. We could talk about all the different options. What it comes down to though, is actually a frequent conversation that we have in the community is that behind all these technologies, there have to be lots of conversations in the sense of the many pieces that went into building your, your walker. There are many pieces that are involved into you know building a cloud native culture, a Kubernetes culture, running stateful workloads on Kubernetes as we, as we you know, are focused on here in our community. But today's presentation is, is going to be focused on that. So where was the sort of origin behind that? If you want, you can start sharing your screen, um, whatever you want to do. Yeah, I'll just uh, give the uh, context real quick. I've got some slides to cover it as well. Okay. Uh, don't worry, my slides aren't too uh, professional. But um, uh, no, so this is actually one of the first talks I ever made. Um, I just started consultancy, um, or actually I just started uh, uh, full stack. Uh, I have to get my timeline straight. Just started full stack. And um, we, Gerrit and me, were both hired to help this company. I won't name them because it's not nice. Uh, but we were hired to help this company. Um, and it was just really, really difficult because we ended up in a team with only externals. And I'll talk about that more later. Um, lots of politics, very little wor working together. Um, and everybody was stuck. And I wanted to make a change. Uh, but I was in a position where most people didn't like me very much. Um, and I still wanted to help 
that company get further. So that's really what this talk is about. I will say that uh, this is a mix up of two versions. Um, there is the old version of this talk, which uh, I have now grown. I'm a little bit older and mature. And looking back at what I did then, I realized there was more to be said there than actually I realized at the time. So I did add a little bit of that, but then again, because I have, I, uh, I have a really bad um, relationship with PowerPoint, um, <laughs> so I lost a lot of work. So you're going to get half of it, uh, well, two good slides and then really shitty slides after that. But that's nice. It's good that you're honest. Um, and, 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 you know, we're managing expectations in that sense. Folks, as usual, if you've got questions, get them in the chat. All right. Um, this is, we wanted to be, have this as much of an open conversation as possible. If you're in a situation, you know, where you're having difficulties addressing or presenting a new technology, trying to get support for that, uh, trying to get other people to agree with that. Now is your time, you know, take advantage of the time we have um, with Fabian, of course, as well, too. You can also ask in, uh, in Slack. Um, but, but really, please feel free to get your questions in, in the comments and we will, we'll handle them accordingly. So yeah, it's all yours, man. Awesome. Thanks. So this is slide one of the beautiful slides that uh, I did not make. You can actually pay someone to do this for you. Look at that. It's just, wow. I mean, it's gorgeous. Wow. I know, right? How to win friends. Here we go. And influence businesses. Now, I'm not sure about most of you, but when I hear the word influence, you usually get a little bit of a negative feeling, a negative vibe of people trying to tell me what I need to do differently. On uh, Slack or on LinkedIn, I need to say, I actually call myself a tech influencer. So what's that mean? Well, we'll get to that. Um, my name is Fabio Met. I just introduced myself a little bit as well. I'm the CTO of Fullstack, one of the two founders, actually, one of the four directors now. Um, yeah, I do everything that's technical at the company. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, fixing the printer, I'm afraid, to uh, yeah, uh, building awesome architectures. Now, I have to say PowerPoint's not my skill set. Uh, case in point, I lost a day and a half work because uh, somehow I totally messed up my uh, PowerPoint. Usually, Fullstack has beautiful slides in these kinds of templates. Uh, today, you get a nice intro. And you can see that because at the bottom right, there's even a missing link. So uh, my humor is like my slides. It's uh, bad and it requires context to work. Uh, this is why I will only use PowerPoint to show shitty slides. Uh, which is also why I'm convinced that PowerPoint hates me. So I'm not sure um, if anybody has read this book, but if you haven't, uh, I highly recommend it. Even though the word influence might have a bad um, feeling with it, the first two pages that you read in this book will show you that the way that this guy looks at it is uh, much better. Also, this book is, I actually have it here. This book is, if I don't if I'm not mistaken, from 1936. And it's still relevant to this day. In this case, though, how to win friends and influence businesses. So let me tell you a story. I made this talk when I was still young. I thought that technology could fix a lot of things. And You're still young. You're still young. I, Come on. <laughs> I'm a little bit older. Uh, but I thought that technology could fix a lot of things that were actually a culture thing. Um, so I made a beautiful version too, but then to PowerPoint hating me, I lost all my work. So you get the mesh up. Um, this is a story about how I helped introduce positive change in an organization. Uh, while I myself actually started out as a very disliked person. It's not so much about specifically data, but it's the troubles you could get into when you see an opportunity to help the company that you're working for get to the next stage but you're being held back by politics, by people not understanding, by a whole bunch of stuff that you really don't want to worry on, worry for, worry with, whatever, if you're actually just want to building, uh, want to actually build these solutions. Anyway, anyone can do this. And when I say anyone, even the janitor can do this. Except for this guy, because this guy is not nice, if you've seen the series. Now, I hope everybody's ready to laugh, because if you look at me now, then you might recognize the guy on the right. Um, that's five years ago when we were 20, year, 20 years younger. And uh, maybe you recognize me now. Anyway. The beard, the beard and the glasses are a nice touch. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we already talked a little bit about what the full stack does. Um, broad range of stuff. Uh, we're growing really, really rapidly. We're around 55 people now, if I'm not mistaken. And we're getting bigger every month. But enough about us. 
have you ever had this? Have you ever had uh, the idea for a good solution? No recognition. Nobody listens. General struggles to get improvement going. Or uh, you try to pitch your idea and then people without technical skills get a say. That's really frustrating if you're a really technical person. Lack of cooperation, stuff like this. And then you throw out your idea and then you get denied. So if you've ever had this feeling, then uh, maybe I can help. Let me sketch the situation for everyone. Um, years ago, we were hired, Gert and me, by a big retailer in the South, who I shall not name because that's not nice. And we got hired because of our location and skill matchup. Oh boy, were we in for a treat. The technology existed of monoliths. Uh, very few, um, uh, very few, uh, very little innovation, and it was hard to maintain the monoliths that were there. So end of life software, it had to change. Lots of enterprise products. And when I do mean enterprise, I don't mean Kubernetes because that is kind of enterprise nowadays, but I mean expensive big companies with closed source. So if I say Oracle, which one of you are actually getting enthusiastic about that? So yeah, big enterprise stuff. So let's talk about the people that were there. Uh, there were managers. They uh, actually wanted things to become better. They had a very strong investment in the current situation because uh, they're making money right now and they want to keep it that way. So they're trying to maintain a level of quality, but they have very um, uh, have much difficulty finding out what solutions to pick and what solutions not to pick, who to listen to, who not to listen to, because everybody has an opinion, but whose opinion is right, right? They are also politicians, and they may or may not have a bias towards enterprise. They're also key figures, and it turns out they're also humans. Then we've got the other side of the people, the engineers. Then uh, when I say engineers, I mean both software and DevOps engineers, infrastructure engineers. Don't mean, don't matter how you want to call it, it's just engineers. Lots of good ideas. However, each idea will undoubtedly somewhere down the line cause disruptions. Lots of external parties, because in the area that they were, it was very difficult to find good people. So lots of external parties were in. Um, and the people that actually did work for the company were leaving. The good ones were leaving because they could get better jobs elsewhere and things weren't changing. And this was a real shame because these were good people that had an investment going for this company. They actually wanted the company to succeed. And they even felt guilty, some of them, for wanting to leave, even though their situation was shitty, which is also in itself pretty shitty. So without those really good people, there was trouble, but with them, there's difficulty because they want to innovate and other people want to keep the status quo. So then when we talk about the teams, these were the teams, many, many islands. They're all doing their own thing. There's no communication going. I mean, you might spot a boat or two in these actual images, but those are for uh, just for pretty images, right? There was no communication between these teams. And I ended up in this team. Ladies and gentlemen, this team existed of all internals. Well, uh, let's make that exactly correct. There was one internal, which was the manager. Uh, he had huge expectations because he was paying external bills, right? Um, however, not every external party in that team was of the same level of technical skills. There was a lot of dislike in this team. The moment we came in, because eventually me and Gert were both in that team, the moment we were there and we started to propose solutions to issues that they were having, that they were already having for months, uh, we were met with a lot of dislike because we were being disruptive and stuff like that. So that's that's nice, right? You're trying to help and you get negativity back. We also noticed that the companies that were delivering these external people were actually just there to make money. So the people that they lit, that they delivered weren't always of the same level. Um, and that's okay. Uh, but please just be open for feedback or uh, uh, be open for discussion, right? Lots of bridges were burned. There was no teamwork. Uh, and just to make things clear, I strongly believe you need teamwork across multiple expertises for anything to turn out great or even good. Uh, if you know the logo on the left, I feel sorry for you. Um, that's the logo to Adobe Experience Manager. And I can tell you this, it most definitely was an experience. <laughs> now, we weren't magicians. This was a dysfunctional team with people that didn't want to talk to each other anymore, no matter how much we tried. 
Um, but the expectations were still very high. And alas, I am not a magician. I wish I was, but I am not. So expectations remained the same, but it was a pretty bad situation and everything went downhill. Now, has anyone ever here heard of game theory? Um, there's a whole bunch of studies about game theory and treating things like a game. Uh, I'm not nearly doing this any justice. However, I read about this at some point and I figured, you know what, I'm going to treat this situation like a game. I'm going to treat the players as if they are, uh, the people as if they are players, and I'm going to try to win the game. Now, so it doesn't do it justice, but I did, you know, take some ideas out of it. So let's play a game. Before we play a game, we need a goal. We need something to achieve. You need to know when you've won. So what's our goal? Well, our goal needs to be reachable, needs to be realistic. And let's be honest, it needs to be fun, right? Because uh, why try something if at least you're not getting some fun out of it? One thing quick, I didn't... Sorry, yeah. could, you talk, could you talk a little bit about that, about when you're you know, working with a customer, keeping the idea of fun in there? Yeah, I'll get to that. Okay, 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 okay. good, good, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> okay, so, cool, cool. <laughs> so the idea is I wanted my job to become more fun. I didn't want to just throw my towel in the ring and say, fuck it, I'm out. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that, sorry. Um, but uh, no, I didn't want it's to- It's okay, just... you are now. Don't worry, just say whatever you want, it's fine. <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah, I, I didn't just want just, just to up and leave, uh, not before I actually tried to make it better because there were a lot of people there who were passionate and I usually click with people who are passionate because I myself am quite passionate. So I, I already felt for some of these colleagues and I wanted to make their lives better and in return that that would make my work better. So then if you treat it like a game, you need a goal, and then at least try to make that goal fun, right? Something to achieve when, when you win the game. One thing I didn't expect back then was that it actually needs to be fluid, your idea. You can have an idea, but you need to be able to change it at any point. So once again, these slides are from the first time I gave this talk. And since then, I've grown about 20 years in five. So I've become a little bit more mature. Not at the end of the day, but then still, you know, few things it needed to be, it needed to be automated because uh, I love manual work. Don't know if anybody here likes manual work, but I personally hate manual work. So I try to automate everything. Uh, it has to be future-proof because I really only want to do this whole thing once. Um, and then uh, built using a cloud solution because I hate plugging cables and uh, on a stable platform. Right? So it needs to be easily manageable, all those nice things. Also, a concept that I needed to implement there was uh, cattle versus pets. I hope I'm not going to get any hate from vegans because that's happened before, but uh, cattle versus pet means uh, treating your everything really, from your service to your clusters to anything that you could think of as cattle, which means it's replaceable, sorry. Um, and not as pets where you take them to the vet and you give them names and you make sure they're healthy. Instead, we just make sure that there's enough resources around to do the job. Now, we came out with a goal that looked like this. We wanted to implement Terraform to bootstrap Kubernetes on AWS. Now, I like working with new stuff. And back then, Kubernetes was new stuff. Uh, I also like battle-proven stuff. And it was just about getting battle-proven. Not a big fan of enterprise. And by enterprise, once again, I mean closed source, have to pay licenses to do anything. That's kind of stuff. Um, another thing was getting some more influence via this goal wasn't too bad. Now, once again, when you hear the word influence, you might get a nasty feeling. Please let that go because that's not the person I am. This was serious back uh, in 2018. So Kubernetes was getting some traction. Uh, EKS wasn't even ready in Europe yet. So it's been a while. Um, there's something wrong with this goal, though. And this is something I realized when I looked back at this talk and started to redo it for, for you people now, actually. This was not actually my goal. I did mention my goal earlier, um, but I thought that this was my goal. And this was back me being younger thinking, okay, technology can fix this. And to an extent that was right, because technology could make people's lives easier. If you implemented it correctly, it could make things faster, simpler, etc. Why do we do that though, is the underlying goal. And the underlying goal is in my case, to make people around me happy give them a better place to work in. 
even though I was just external, right? I had no, nothing to do with these people, but I did drink coffee with them. So how do you do this, right? So you have your goal in this case, in my uh, younger years, right? <laughs> it looked like technology. First off, you got to identify the players, right? Who has the power? Who has the mandate to say that your idea is something that you can actually do? And then the first question you have to ask is, do they listen to me? And in this situation, the answer was no, because the manager of the team that I was in, that manager was speaking very poorly of me and my colleagues there. So poorly, in fact, that all the higher level managers got the idea that the people from Fullstack were actually really bad, which is, I mean, fine, if that's your opinion, that's uh, it's sad. Um, so they didn't hear many good things about me. That's a shame. Uh, but there were still engineers that had their ear. There were engineers that were sitting there for a very long time that had built up trust with these managers and these managers would listen to these people. These people also, by the way, these engineers did not have a really good image of us because, well, you know, everybody, that the whole team that we were in was dysfunctional as well. However, there is a chain. There's always a chain. There is a person that has the mandate and then there's you. And there's people in between. Now, I'm still, I, I keep saying, right, I was an external person and I could still help the company. You could still do this if you're the janitor. Somebody listens to you, doesn't matter for what. And then eventually there is a chain to someone who has the mandate. But how are you going to get that idea up the chain, right? If the person doesn't listen to you, how do you do that? Well, first off, you do it very wide. It's not one chain. It's more like a, uh, a tree of these uh, links and you do a little bit of inception. Now I'm thinking some of you might still have a little bit of a negative idea here. We have our goal. We, knew, we know who can influence who to get where, where we ultimately want to go. However, it no longer can be my goal. It has to be the goal of the group. Um, and that's actually not as difficult as you might think to get that going. Because you do that by talking. There is a really, really big catch, though, to talking about your idea. Is that us people, we have a very, very strong, um, uh, what do you call it? A very, very strong meter, very strong alarm bell. Alarm bell that goes off when you hear somebody selling you bullshit. So when I was talking to people, I wasn't just talking about my idea. In fact, the way to do this is I'd like to do this by introducing you to the bestest of persons in the meme world. Good guy, Craig. How do you get your idea across? So forget about the movie Inception, right? You get your idea across, not because your idea is the best. You get your idea across because you test your idea with people that are running into issues. And people that are running into issues could be very simple, like uh, I can't get this application deployed or... Uh, I don't know how to set a specific variable somewhere. It can be anything. And while you're listening to people's problems, you start to reshape your idea. Because the idea that we started out with, just some technology, started to take shape. Because if this starts to take ground, it needs to fix these and these and these problems. So you start to understand what people are running into. But you can't do that when you're trying to sell your idea. So you stop trying to sell your idea. But Bobby, you just told us to do Inception. Yeah, I did, but not in the way that you try to sell it to someone. You build an idea together. You start off with something and you accept the fact that you don't know everything. People around you have their own vision of their own problems. And you take that and you talk with them and then you listen. And this is the key part. You actually have to listen like you are a nice person and be interested in their dog going to the vet or their mom being sick. And then you ask them about them the next day again. So you do this by being a genuine good person. Just ask about the day, how the other person's doing. Most importantly though, accept your feedback. Sometimes you ask them what they think of your idea. You never tell them, this is my idea, we should do this. Because let's be honest, that is no longer the goal. Because like I said earlier, it turns out that my goal was to make other people happier. And by that, myself, get my job easier as well. 
So you start shaping your idea and you start maybe showing, okay, so you're running into this and this and this with application deployment. Have you ever looked into containers? Have you ever looked into Kubernetes? And then maybe I'll show you a small demo on my laptop, see what you can do. And then still accept that you might be wrong. Maybe your idea is wrong. Maybe it needs to be shaped into something else. But it turns out that together you get a better idea than just on your own. Where do you do this though? How do you do this? Let me introduce you to the most social of places in the workplace, the coffee corner. Um, yeah, so, but I'm an online only company. Well, online, on, online only companies, sometimes I hear them do uh, coffee sessions. Uh, it's a little bit more difficult. Doesn't mean you can't still do it. If you're doing a stand up and you hear somebody talk and you hear they're having a tough time, it doesn't take very much to just ask them after that, hey, how are you doing? Or can I do anything for you? Can I help you out? However, when there's an actual physical coffee corner, people can walk up to the coffee corner, get a coffee. And usually that's the place where they go to take a break and they go there to take a break. And it turns out that talking about your problems is usually a good thing. So on your break, talking about the problems and hearing somebody else actually listen to you and not try to sell their propaganda is A, helpful, and B, gets the problems that you're running into for a bigger group of people. And maybe somebody else knows a fix. So even though you might think, I don't want to be disturbing their break, what you're actually doing is even a little bit of psychology, but don't think about it too much. Just ask them about how their day is and actually try to listen. Don't try to listen, actually listen. So in this case, we had a difficult goal, but we made it. I started talking to everybody at the coffee corner. And I started talking to them and started listening to the issues that they were running into. I, once every now and then, I just dropped some technology that might be able to solve their issue. And we started looking into how it could solve their issue. While we were doing this, the idea grew, but the idea was no longer my idea alone. It was the idea of everybody I talked with. And because I talked to many other people, the idea grew and it was bigger. And eventually management heard about this idea going around that maybe they should look into clouds, maybe they should look into Kubernetes. And it doesn't have to be that difficult to start. And eventually we got the green light, we got the go ahead and we built their next level architecture. We built their next level architecture to a degree that people were doing online shopping and we ran into a beautiful AWS issue where um, they just switched to NVMe disks over the network, but the kernel wasn't uh, tuned for that yet. So when a kernel does hiccup, then your disk goes to read-only. So we had machines in production going to a read-only disk. Now, usually when you treat your machines like cats, like uh, pets, right? Then you log into the machine, you check what's wrong, you try to get it healthy. And uh, because the platform was running on Kubernetes and we had autoscaling groups of AWS under the hood and everything, all we did was just delete the nodes. And when it happened for the third time, that's when we started to look what's happening. Nobody actually noticed that we were deleting nodes in production. And that was one of the huge selling points. However, we're not done yet. See, people were starting to enjoy their jobs. They were starting to see with the right guidance that things could be simpler than they were used to. Motivation was going up, people started liking their stuff again. The first iteration of the goal that we built was cheap, was less than $500 a month. So this was a huge enterprise and the amount of effort that it took for them to spend $500 a month was insane, but it was enough to get them going. And they're still running on this platform for now, uh, till now. But we still have a problem. It's an ever moving branch of business, we have to repeat the process because there's a next issue to fix. But what is the next issue? Well, we already saw that going. It's namely these teams. Because now they have the option to work with better hardware or better solutions, sorry, better infrastructure solutions. And they had the option to build anything they wanted now. However, because they were still set in their ways, there was no, um, no cooperation. And um, there was a lot of uh, reinventing the wheel. Now. One of my, uh, one of the people I uh, always look to for motivation is called Simon Sinek. And I think most of you probably know him, but if you don't, he is a uh, beautiful person that you should probably look at some TED Talks of. 
because uh, his idea of leadership is something I can totally get behind. His idea of leadership is making people feel secure, um, trusting people and not being a uh, dictator. Now, I like to do, uh, I'd like to believe we do this all right at full stack because some of our people call me boss in chief for fun, right? So if they do this to take a piss, then it's okay. But a leader has nothing to do with your function or your mandate. This is something that we easily get stuck in. We go like, okay, I have this great idea, but I'm not the one who gets to make the decisions. So never mind. But once again, even the janitor can do this. And by even the janitor, I don't want to downplay the janitor's role. I just want to say that as long as you are able to talk to people in this company, you can make a change. Leading in my eyes is not about control, but it's about empowerment. And I try to do this still every day for everyone at FullStack. So the goal I talked about earlier was more means than end. It was more, uh, it was more technical. But in the end, it turns out that the goal beneath that was to improve other people's lives. And by that, my own enjoyment went up as well. Because it turns out I really like it when I can help someone and myself be open to feedback for which you then get a better person, you get to be a better person, and then together make sure that everybody starts to get happy. And that's just a really, really powerful feeling, really nice. So that turns out to be the real goal under that. Now, many people think about uh, leadership like this, and it's really something that's grown into our uh, whole community over the entire world is a leader is the one that walks in front. And a leader is the one that makes all the decisions, decides what you do, and you just follow the leader, which in my opinion is the worst way of leader possible. This is basically a dictator. Could be a benevolent dictator, but still dictator. In my opinion, and you, you know, I, uh, as you might have noticed, my PowerPoint exists of me Googling a random word and hoping to find an image that kind of shows what I want to say. This is the closest I got to leadership um, because we needed to make people a community, basically. I think that's the best way to inspire, to say we needed to inspire them, we needed to make a community. And we need to compact what we have because we build a beautiful platform. People are all doing their own stuff and we can compact that, make it part of the organization. And the more that that becomes a thing of the organization, the easier it becomes to adopt these things. But that still requires cooperation. So we need to change our approach from being the guy with the idea because I believe I had a, I, I, I believed I had a good idea back then, but I didn't really know how to continue because we have this technology, now what? Everybody's still not talking to each other. Managers aren't doing anything because they don't know what's going on or how to fix it. Once again, these are people that are doing their best. I'm not being negative about anyone in particular. It's just difficult. So how did we solve that then? Is um, you need to inspire. The goal went from adding new features to specifically supporting people. Now, it turns out that we were doing that all along, but it was now the specific goal. There's only one time that this specific image of leadership is correct. I just want to point that out. That is whenever shit comes down. Whenever anything's going down that's negative, that's the point when you as a leader step forward and you take the hit. So what do we have this time? What do we need to fix? The situation, Everybody's reinventing the wheel, and then we bridge it. So we built bridges between these, and I just, once again, Googled for bridges, and it came up with a beautiful water bridge, sue me. How do we do this, though? Once again, by being a good guy, good person. You put aside your own ego. You make sure that if there's any need, you ever take the fall for the team. And even more importantly, if there's any credit to go around for whatever it is that your community achieved, then you give all the credit to the team. So you take the fall and you give the credit. The hell's the point then? Well, the point is that everybody around you is, is, is becoming happier at their job. And in return, you will be as well. But we still had that whole thing. So how did we fix this? Now, I don't have many slides left, so I'm just going to talk a little bit longer for this specific one. Um, 
we started a uh, microservices guild. There were no guilds there. Uh, there were uh, standups and all the other standard meetings that go around with, uh, with Scrum and Agile and that kind of stuff. There were no actual meetings people wanted to go to themselves. And I'm pretty sure most of you recognize these meetings of a meeting that you have to go to, that you sit through, and then you go out and you think to yourself, what did I just spend an hour on? So we needed to do that a little bit differently. We built a guild, which was a beautiful word for a bi-weekly meeting. And this bi-weekly meeting was, if you want to come, you can come. It doesn't matter if you're a manager, developer, or whatever you do. Anybody that has any interest in talking about working with this new platform, building your applications for it, anything, you're welcome. One rule is you leave everybody in their uh, power. So whether or not a junior has a question that you might find very simple, this is a safe space. And it was the only thing that was the, the, the diehard rule. When you came there, you were respectful of anybody else. Turns out that turned out really, really well. Because I started booking rooms for the amount of people that wanted to come. And I started the idea of this guild by talking to some people that I thought would be interested. And, um, and just having a chat with them, seeing uh, would they be open to discussing these things with other people. And it turns out that if you ask experts if they are open to talk about what they like to do to other people, then usually the answer is yes. So these people that had a really, really tough time getting new stuff through in their company, they were more than happy to talk to other engineers about the things that they thought that you should be doing with how you structure your Java to uh, how to build a container properly to anything really that was uh, fun or useful. The meetings were actually really simple. I started them with a very simple agenda, anything that came up. So I would ask around, do you have anything to talk about? And some people would run into how to structure Java apps and other ones would run into how do you build a proper container of this? And all kinds of questions came up. And then at these meetings, we would take these questions and one by one talk about them. And once again, even though I knew quite a bit about containers and knew how to answer some of these things immediately, it was much more interesting. And I actually learned a lot about that because I was a little bit arrogant thinking that I could always answer these things is it turns out that if you talk about this as a group of people that are in a meeting because they want to be, that you get really, really interesting discussions going. We went away from doing everything again in the same team, reinventing the wheel for every single thing. We did that because these people, for the first time in their career at that company, felt that they had the power to actually change something. That group became so big that at some point there were 25 people there, which in that case was pretty big. 25 people there. I had trouble finding a room that could fit them. And when we walked out of the meeting, we walked out of the meeting with decisions on how we were going to build new infrastructure, how we were going to build new apps, how we were going to structure things, how we were going to make sure our logging fit with the rest of the environment, these basic things. But we all walked out with the same idea. This is how we're going to do it. And we talked about this as a group. And even the junior who just came out of school has just as much right to talk as anybody else. Because it had such, such a safe space, um, the ideas were awesome and everybody supported it. Not once was there one manager that said, we're not going to do this. Because everybody came back with the idea of, fuck, we should be doing this. Sorry, once again, bad word. Um, yeah, we did that once every two weeks. And it grew every week. I never had any trouble getting topics. And I never had any trouble asking other people what they thought. Because it turns out that was the most fun. Getting other people to get out of their shell and talk awesome stuff. So what did we learn? Being inside is plenty. The more directed a goal is, the harder it is. If your goal is you want one very specific thing implemented, then you're going to have a hard time. Because the reason you're going to have a hard time is because you already think that you have the solution to a problem. And you might not, actually. The more open the goal, the more it needs guidance. Because you could say, I want everybody's help uh, or everybody's work life to be easier. How are you going to do that? So 
there's no golden goal. There's no golden thing level of, of directness. It just changes depending on what you need. I cannot stress enough how you need to be a nice person. I need to change that word there to a nice person. And by a nice person, I don't mean, and I, I did say this about the, uh, that we have an alarm for bullshit. Um, we also have an alarm for Trump, somebody trying to sell us something. You know immediately when someone starts talking to you and they ask about how your day has been and you start answering because you think they might be interested in hearing what you have to say. And then they go like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, so what do you think about my idea? Those kinds of people, you immediately notice, and obviously this is exaggerated, but you immediately notice that's wrong. Don't be that person. Be a nice person. If somebody tells you that their dog is sick, ask them the next day how the dog's doing. Being a manager is not necessarily being a leader. And uh, keep going, because once you start, there's always a next hurdle. And it can be uh, building a community. It can be implementing new stuff. It can be anything, but just keep going. And with that, I think I have way too much time left, but those were all my slides. Definitely don't think there's too much time left. Slides are very good. Uh, leave, leave, that, leave that last slide though, because I think we can kind of take a look at this yeah. uh, a little bit further. Like you said, you know, everybody comes at this with a different level of experiences, with a different level of, you know, some people are more introverts, some people are more extroverts. So for some people, these, these situations can be a little bit more challenging, things like that. In So obviously you, you've been doing this presentation for a while. You've got quite a few different folks in, in, in full stacks you, and, and lots of different customers as well. So it's, it's maybe, you know, is it an art? Is it a science? It's kind of probably a mixture of the two. What would you say is the thing that, that you've seen people struggle with the most? Getting our, their ideas accepted by other people. And that is because uh, we're thinking about our ideas as if they are already the solution. And if we get real deep, we need to think about the idea behind the idea. Why do we want to implement this idea? Why do we want to implement this specific technology? And then you get to uh, how you can get people on board. Got it. And 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 once because oftentimes we think of something like, oh, this is brilliant, but not anticipating how other people are going to see this. And, mm-hmm. and particularly, I mean, in different in different capacities. I've worked in human resources. So sometimes you have to tell people, oh, we're, you know, this policy is changing. You have, or, and not just in human resources and positions of leadership in general. Sometimes you have to tell people news that you know they're not going to like, but you still have to tell them. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's, it, it is some, and, and so very often as well too, you know, the larger the organization, the more complex it can be. And particularly, in, you know, it doesn't, I've seen international contexts where different cultures have clashed, that can happen. But even I imagine, you know, in, in the Netherlands, you have a, a wide variety of people from, from different places, as well as, you know, diversity internally inside the country in terms of north, south, east, west, you know, regional differences. I see that where I live in Spain. So these are things that you can never be underestimated or underappreciated. Um, so I definitely, I definitely do agree with that. I guess... Uh, so when you say going back to, you know, the goal being more and more direct, the harder it is. So when Mm -hmm. establishing a goal, like you said, you know, being realistic, things of that nature, but how do you, you know, also Dutch people are known for being very practical. I will say that too. Um, but how, you know, what, how do you, how do you define, you know, a realistic goal? So it's, you know, we hear these acronyms like smart, you know, specific, measurable (laughs) time. And then some people say, you know, completely get rid of that. We have other folks that really push OKRs, other people that are completely against that. We have, you know, in, in for people that work at Google, they're always talking about perf, you know, the t- uh, I think it's twice a year performance reviews, and they're always preparing for that. Uh, how do you, what's been, what's been the approach that's worked best for you over time regarding that? Okay, so a little bit of context here is I've got ADHD. You give me, too. me one of, Awesome. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yes. We're, we're friends already, but now we're even better friends. <laughs> um, if you give me one of these process lists to follow, I will lose track after five seconds. Yeah. Um, it turns out that these process lists are fought up by a whole bunch of smart people. And um, try they, they, uh, I think about this the same way I think about a lot of, um, let's say, home charts. 
Helm charts are, I think, actually a really good example to uh, co uh, compare this with. Helm charts are built to serve as many people as they can. These things that you're just saying, uh, these procedures, these, uh, yeah, let's call them procedures, right? They're there to serve as many people as it can. Mm. Each company is different. Just like you said, each, uh, each culture is different. The South has a different kind of culture even in the Netherlands than the, than the North has. Mm. Uh, yes, uh, even in some parts, we are even more direct. So um, there's one thing, though, that everybody here has in common. Every single person has this in common. They want to feel validated. They want to feel uh, heard. And it takes, as it turns out, very little effort to actually listen to someone. And when you listen to other people and you hear about their problems, eventually an idea of trying to make things better will start taking shape a little bit more. So if you try to be really rigid, I want to implement Kubernetes, but maybe Kubernetes is not the best solution. Yep. Then you're going to have a tough time. If your idea is, I want to make deployments easier, then you can talk to other people, hear about their problems, and then implement Kubernetes. That's good. I, I like that. And I think something that you, you mentioned there, um, and previously too, I think a, a running sort of theme throughout this talk has been the importance of empathy. And it's a word that gets used a lot, and I think even sometimes misused. What, what does it really mean? You know, like putting yourself in another person's situation. We all have personal lives, we have families, we have friends, we have difficulties, we have mortgages, we have house payments, we have family members with illnesses, we have all these things that are going into it. It's not just the deployment, you know what I mean? Like there is, obviously that brings its own weight in terms of decision-making and importance at an organizational level, but there's a lot of other emotions that are going on in those, in those processes. Like you said, treading, treading lightly or respectfully, I think is important. The other thing that you mentioned too is something that I've learned over time is that you can never be too good at listening. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see hundreds of courses about how to improve your public speaking and how many courses would you find about improving your listening? I haven't really seen that many. I've been taught listening because of doing things like, you know, uh, you know, like organ once again, organizational development and change management, things like that. But it's but at the age of 30, why was I not taught that at the age of you know 15 mm -hmm. or you know even earlier? And you listen with much more than just your ears, you listen to how you respond to people, how you show empathy that you're taking into consideration what they're saying. And like you said, um, not necessarily just getting attached to a tool, the tool, the tool wars that go on in organizations, it's absolutely crazy. Um, I always give the example that in a tech company that I worked at. There was a violent struggle about Team City versus Jenkins uh, between DevOps and, 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 and other folks. And it got really ugly to the point that some people left the organization, not just because of the tool, but because it got so emotionally driven that it, it forced them out of there. So like, like I said, is it, how can we be better listeners? How can we kind of park these emotional you know, sort of associations? What are the best ways to do that in order to respect each other uh, at an organizational level? I, I try to keep, so uh, once again, I, I try to keep these things for myself as simple as possible because otherwise I get distracted. And there's one very simple rule I try to do when somebody else talks. And I will be extremely honest here and tell you, I'm not always succeeding at this. Uh, sometimes I will just blurt out what I think in the middle of a sentence, which is a shame. Yeah. The, I still try. I still try, and I think that is the most important thing. You got to keep trying to be a better person for these things. Is um, while you're listening to someone, try to realize: Are you waiting for them to finish? And that's it. That's a good point. And also, not having a, a deathly fear of silence. Silence is okay. Yeah, but it's that's something that grows. That's something yeah. that grows. You have to, you have to learn that. I, I would also say from what I know as being someone with ADHD, that the blurting out thing or like the need to just say something and not waiting, that's something that I've had like my entire life. I think that can be an ADHD thing. It can be an impatience thing. I'm not sure exactly, but that that's something that's, I think that's it. Anyway, the, the older I got, like the more comfortable I am with, with being open about that kind of stuff. And it's not an excuse either just mm -hmm. for everything, you know, like I'm not allowed just to blurt things out whenever I want. Um, but I think being upfront with people about those things, that, that is, that is helpful. 
Um, now the more open, so like I said, with, you know, with goals, this is something that every organization seems to struggle with or that people struggle with in general, January 1st, everyone's going to the gym. They're going to stop smoking and drinking and do this and do that. And the goals don't stick. You know, they often talk mm -hmm. about having, you know, sticky goals in your experience. What's what's necessary. And obviously, you know, full stack, you know, you, you don't go to a customer and say like, well, hopefully we'll finish this in eight months. No, you have to be pretty specific about, you know, road mapping, things like that. How do you make sure that there's enough, you know, momentum and energy put into something to make sure that that is going to reach the objective that was decided upon in the beginning? Uh, so I already had the vision that the platform that we were going to build for this company in the South was going to change the way that they do everything. Um, if I would have approached it like that, this is going to change your entire IT organization. Oh, wait, I, I'm this new guy that just came in a few weeks ago. Um, that's never going to stick. But um, starting the implementation of Kubernetes made it all possible. And once we made clear that it's going to cost less than $500 a month in hosting to get started with the idea and it's growable, then it turns out that this small idea, this achievable and, and realistic goal, right? That's the, mm -hmm. the things that I said earlier, it has to be achievable, it has to be realistic, can grow to something like that they're now running everything in, on their Kubernetes platforms. If I would have told them that, even though I already thought I would see that coming, it's kind of, you know, I, I already thought that that situation was going to be where they were going to grow to, that their entire organization is going to run the cloud agnostic uh, environments with everything cloud native, Kubernetes containers, all the fancy stuff, they would have never bought it. So I made it small. Still the same thing, made it small. People started using it and it started growing. That's a really good way of looking at it. And I like the undercurrent of optimism of because some people, well, they're never going to accept it. Well, what mm -hmm. would they, what would have to happen for them to accept it? What scenario is going to work? What is, and it was something that I always try to inform people as well. A part of empathy is knowing the person in front of you, what their objectives are and finding a way of, of creating those win-wins, right? Of like, okay, if I know that you're, that you're looking to you know, improve X and I, and I can simultaneously get Y going at the same time, I think that's really, that it's not zero. That doesn't have to be win-lose. You know, that me getting what I want doesn't have to mean you, you know, and, and as much as possible looking for that. And, 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 so, and, and also, you know, whether it's working with a different company, it can be at a, at a personal level or working with a company. It's like, this company is, is very dead set on doing things in this way. Okay, I have to be reasonable with that. I can't, you know, force them into a situation that's not going to work. And, and sometimes you have to be, you know, really transparent. Having been a freelancer for four years, sometimes I have to tell people like, look, I, this is this is just definitely not going to work because of what you're trying to do and the way I do things or things like it's much better to be transparent than trying to put yourself into a situation where things are simply not going to up uh, with anybody being happy. Then another thing, this manager factor, you know, a lot, you know, what my, my dad always says is no good deed goes unpunished. So if developers, <laughs> DevOps are out there, you know, eventually as you grow, your, you know, your technical level is increasing. And also there's going to be an expectation for more responsibilities that terrifies a lot of people, a, cause they are still, they want to stay in touch with the technical stuff. They don't want to lose their skills over time. You've obviously grown into a management position. And so sometimes there's those trade-offs with, Oh, but I really miss coding or I really miss, you know, being involved in the, the infra site or, you know, SRE stuff or things like that in, in preparing people for those positions where they're going to start managing people, you know, there's, there are lots of books about it. There are lots of courses. You can get an MBA. In your case, like you said, you're very much self-taught. You know, for, for people that are making that transition into management and, and, and once again, becoming a leader, I think that can be terrifying for a lot of people. And how do you approach that in full stack or what's been your experience with that? I didn't. I just listened to people. And uh, anytime that I could offer advice, um, I would, in fact, when I started giving out advice to my own coworkers, my own colleagues, I would first ask them, would you like me to give you some advice or would you just like me to listen? Most people wanted both. So I just listen. And then it turns out that that, uh, helps. Yeah. I wouldn't call myself a manager specifically because I don't really manage that much. Hmm. Um, well, you managed, to build a, you managed to build a walker. <laughs> yeah, I did. And, and an imperial shuttle that you have behind you. So, yeah. Hell yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, no. So I, I wouldn't call myself a manager. Let me put it that way. Because in a leadership uh, position, we can say it that way. Yeah, sure. Um, don't try to be a leader. Um, don't read up on self-help books and how to become the next world leader. Le- check some Simon Sinek talks on YouTube and actually, again, try to listen. Um, because he goes on about empowering other people by being a good person, by listening to what they're saying, to hearing to because one thing that we often forget is we go to work and lots of people see their work as something negative or something to do um but it's something that you spend like half your day at man try to get something that you like doing i couldn't agree more and there doesn't need to be this dichotomy that you have to hate your job you know you don't have to and you also don't need to be head over heels in love with your job and we all have parts of our job that we don't like and i could go on for a long time about those um but i think that I, I really like what you're saying about that is, is, you know, finding people's strengths, encouraging them to be open about that. And that's something we try to do as a community. It's like, oh, do you like art or music? Well, you can do that here too. You know, like there, it's not just exclusively going to be talking about Kubernetes. Like we're very interested. And in, so now I know, I know more about you because of the, you know, the, the Star Wars element and other things we've talked about. It sounds silly, but the more that we get to know each other as people, there, there are incredible ways in which you can incorporate those interests and channel them into work-related context that add a ton of original value. Going back to the point about leadership, like you said, is that there's, because of the desperation and fear involved in it, it's a huge industry, you know, leadership coach, management coach, like all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. And I'm not saying that's bad and it's not, it's, it's okay to try those things and every, everyone's going to respond to different things. But thinking that just because you read a book that you're going to come out perfectly, there can be things that you can test out and see how they work. I often encourage people just to think about all of us have had different interactions with, with leaders or leadership elements, whether it's on a sports team, whether it's in your school, think about good teachers that you had. Some people will say that all their teachers were bad. I generally don't agree with that. But it, grandparents, family members, whatever, there are lots of different kinds of leadership. It's not just a politician mm-hmm. or, or Bill Gates or things like that. There are lots of different kinds of leadership. And, and also as well too, it's not just copy paste. You have to be authentic to your, to, because if you're not, people are going to, pers- if you come in just trying to be somebody that you saw on TV, it's going to probably mm-hmm. look pretty awkward and embarrassing. So don't do that. Um, this was really good. We're almost out of time. I could keep going for a long time on this because I really like this can subject. I, can, I, can I give one recommendation to everybody? Yes. So please read this book, right? How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's a book from 1936. And he I shared the link. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He even talks about the civil war in America with Abraham Lincoln and the things that he did um, are still valid to this day. Um, it's, it's not a book to read. It's a, um, uh, it's a book to take into practice. And and like you said, the the timelessness of it, this book has been read time and time again. And so it doesn't matter, you know, like, yes, the, we have remote working and we have different tools and different things, but these very human things are still very pervasive. And so I think it's, that's a great eye opener to have. I love this. When's part two? This is amazing. <laughs> this is super good. I, can I get you to stop sharing your screen though? Because we got yes. to share mine real quickly at the end. Yes. Folks, thanks so much for joining. I, this is something that we can come back to. And, and, and once again, like these, these things are timeless. And no matter how much we're talking about technology, we always have to remember the extremely important human side. And, and I always try to stress that as someone who doesn't come from a very, comes from a very minimally technical background. Um, so anyway, I really appreciate you sharing this with us today. The slides are fantastic. No complaints. Um, it was good. Very practical as once again, as Dutch people are, so that's good. (laughs) Let's, uh, but as always in our community, we have the tradition where we have our amazing artist, uh, behind the scenes, Angel, who is creating amazing graphic representation of the things we're being spoken about. So you can see that there. Uh, oh, we got, uh, he's also a massive Star Wars fan. So we got yeah. R2-D2 in there. Uh, anyway, it's very, very good. It looks like they're, it kind of reminds me of the uh, the cantina scene in uh, in Star Wars. So anyway, I think that I think that's probably what he's going for. Uncle, you can confirm or deny that or in the YouTube chat if you want. Anyway. Can I, uh, can I have this and use oh, Of course, yeah, yeah, don't worry. We'll send it over to you immediately as, as always. Beautiful, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah. yeah, this is, all, and once again, like I said, like, why can you, you know, for, for folks that are out there as well as like, 
don't don't be afraid to you know to propose these kind of things in your organizations like let's have a star wars day or let's do a this or let's do a that the more you know the, like i said we are all humans we all have goals we all have dreams we all have problems that we're trying to work on and the more human that we can be with each other and the more open and i'm very grateful as well too that you're open about having adhd because like for me it's been kind of a recent thing i think that's really good too you know neurodiversity all these different things that we have going on I think the more that we can incorporate those those things, the the stronger our organizations will be, the more robust they will be, and uh, it just increases quality of life. So do it. Um, I, will I see you next week in KubeCon, or do I have to wait until? No, after? of course. Okay, cool. I will see you then. in Valencia. Uh, for folks, if you haven't signed up already, once again, sign up. We'll have our last promo video coming out today, and if you're in the Netherlands on May 24th, stop by Utrecht. Totally free event. You'll get to see me desperately trying to say five words in Dutch, uh, among other things, but most of all, high quality talks talking about Kubernetes at the edge. Anyway, Fabian, thank you very much. Shout out to the Full Stack family. We'll see you all soon. Take care. See you soon.